0: Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? From the complete Jewish Bible. Stop dwelling on past events and brooding over times gone by. I am doing something new. It's springing up. Can't you see it? And from the message. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? When I was teaching, it seemed that every few years, a new thing would come down from on high from the State Department, from the federal government, some program that would revolutionize public education and bring all children along to greater success. Generally, these new things coincided with shifts in political leadership, so the changes were never really going to build on one another. It was always kind of an out with the old, in with the new experience very herky-jerky, and often frustrating. And honestly, in 40 years of new innovative ways to teach and test, none of it's really worked very well, except to build up the coffers of testing companies and validate charter schools and stuff like that, but that's another story. When changes don't build toward an overall better situation, Even if you're changing from a bad thing to a good thing, if you don't learn from that bad thing and build on it to do better, no one's going to benefit. God doesn't work that way. God is all about forgiving and redeeming and creating anew. And everything, everything since the beginning of time has brought us to this moment. Throughout the history of the Jewish people, the people called by God or told by God through their leaders, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, even Isaiah, to remember the great deeds of their God, especially those related to deliverance and salvation. Yet in this passage today from Isaiah, Yahweh, the God of creation and history, announces that Yahweh is once again about to act in the life of Israel. This is the same God who brought about the deliverance in Egypt, the God who created a way out for Israel through the Red Sea, the God who destroyed the Egyptian army. But you'll hear that story more fully at the Easter Vigil, so come back. As memorable as these events are, they are from times long past, former times. But God says now a new thing is coming, bursting out, just like the red buds and the azaleas and the daffodils and the tulips coming out right now. It's not a case of out with the old, in with the new but a building on God's continued faithfulness to God's people. The former things help Israel in times of challenge to remember that God has always been faithful, sustaining that special relationship that God fostered with them so long ago. And connecting with God is an important concept in Judaism. In remembering God's great deeds, we build our connection to God. We come to know Him, and we know He knows us. But now God is signaling a sudden, kind of unexpected turn of fortune. And being told not to remember the old things doesn't mean to criticize them or forget about them forever a radical quality in God's new thing. God is providing a way out of exile in Babylon for the Israelites via the emperor Cyrus the Great of Persia. God will also ensure that the path back to Jerusalem is one that the people will be able to survive, not casting around for 40 years in the wilderness. But in today's gospel reading, we see an example of someone who may have foreseen God's meaning of a new thing. When Mary of Bethany, one of Jesus' closest friends, kneels at his feet and breaks open that costly jar of nard, she places herself in a position of both great vulnerability and great humility. This is a radical thing a radical expression of love and devotion. For a woman to touch a man who was not her husband in this way was borderline scandalous. Yet Jesus always treated the women around him with great respect and real love. This too was a radical thing. Women had little stature in that time in society, And only the wealthiest were regarded as anything more than property. Mary and her sister Martha and their brother Lazarus were Jesus' chosen earth family. He went to their home in Bethany, which was only two miles from Jerusalem, when he needed to rest. So I wonder if he might have been just a little surprised at first when Mary began her silent, beautiful ritual However, he quickly realizes what she's doing. And Jesus even uses her action as an object lesson to the disciples who try to rebuke her, saying, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. It is a radically gentle response on Jesus' part in contrast to the overly strong and more than slightly dishonest reaction of Judas. Perhaps Mary prophetically anticipated the ministry and spread of the gospel. Maybe Mary is the only one who truly understands that Jesus really is on his way to death in Jerusalem. Maybe she is the only one who really understands what God's new thing will be, salvation, for all who believe in Christ Jesus. Maybe that was an idea too radical, even at this point in Jesus' journey, for the other disciples to fathom or understand. When Paul was writing to the Philippians, he says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. He's speaking of this exciting new thing, God's radical love and grace for us all. And We can have confidence too because we have the promise of deliverance from our sins. We can leave our past challenges, our times in the wilderness and look forward to a new thing a new life in Christ. Yes, there've been hard times in our collective and individual journeys with God. We've all had our exiles in Egypt and Babylon. And now as we come to the end of Lent, we can see Jerusalem on the horizon. And we know what happens in Jerusalem. But God is greater than all these seeming tests and trials. There will be a time when everything will be made new and put right. God is, after all, forgiving, redeeming, and always creating. We are invited to live into hope as we see the greatness of the God who is more powerful than all that we face. While we are prone to addressing our current challenges by relying on what has worked in the past, we have always done it this way. God is not bound by this thinking. This is especially important now, as we seek to reimagine ourselves as a church that speaks to the needs of today, and not so much the needs of generations past. We should seek to understand the needs of our communities now, respond to those needs in new ways. God's faithfulness is not conditional on what has come before, and we would be wise to remember that and build on it as we go forward. There's an old Jewish midrash likening the fragrance of perfume filling a house to a good name that spreads across communities. Just as Mary's actions filled the house with the fragrance of the nard, St. Peter's good name can spread throughout Conway and the greater community as a place of radical love and grace and acceptance, building on God's everlasting foundation of faithfulness. And so I offer a couple of questions to consider as we move toward Holy Week and into the future. Like Paul, how would your life look different if you could forget what lies behind, the former things, and trust that the God who created all things new was for you and with you, no matter what your circumstances may be? Like Mary, how can we perfume the world with the good news of Jesus today and next week and forevermore? God is doing a new thing. Even for us right here in Conway at St. Peter's, how can we train our hearts to see it? God is doing a new thing. Can you see it? Amen.